This is Leah Jones, Director of Financial Planning at Hightower Bethesda. Thanks for joining me today as I explore topics that I hope arm you with the ability to make smart financial decisions. My guest today is Erin Kopelman. She is a principal at Lurch Early and Brewer and works in Bethesda, Maryland. Little background on Erin, she's a divorce attorney and deals with issues uh, such as divorce custody, child support, property settlement, alimony, post and prenup agreements, and post-judgments issues in the Maryland and D.C. area. And she has uh, quite a list of accomplishments. She's been listed in Best Lawyers in America for Family Law, Maryland Super Lawyers, and D.C. Super Lawyers. The Daily Record named her one of Maryland's leading women, and Bethesda Magazine readers gave her the Family Law Practitioner of the Year Award. She is also active in the Family Law section of the Montgomery County Bar Association and has received both the Section Chair of the Year and Bar Leader Awards. So uh, very excited to have you as a guest today on our show, and we're going to talk today about a topical issue, and that's uh, COVID-19, um, and, and issues that it has exposed as they relate to divorce. Uh, some of the items are really relevant to any economic downturn, and others are specific to the pandemic nature of this crisis. Um, so to start off the conversation, Erin, tell me how you've seen corona impact your conversations with prospects and clients. Well, first, Leah, thank you so much for having me. Um, in the divorce realm, we are really seeing Corona impact our prospects and our clients in several ways. You know, first, they're just having a hard time finding a way to speak to counsel with privacy since they're often in the same home with the spouse. And they're also just having a hard time finding privacy in general and getting some space in their unhappy marriage, which is really important to their emotional health. Um, the impact of having people in the same house is really causing a lot of stress and seeing a lot of clients want to speed up the process and get things resolved quicker. Unfortunately, right now, courts are closed except for emergency emergencies and specific issues. So if you're just thinking about divorce, this is a really great time for people to get their ducks in a row. So speak with lawyers or find a lawyer and gather necessary paperwork and plan. If you and your spouse already know that you're getting separated or divorced, now is a really good time uh, to work towards resolution. And I'm seeing a lot of families look at alternate ways to resolve their family issues. So trying to resolve them in more atypical ways. So rather than just negotiations and mediations, we're seeing a lot of virtual mediations and virtual collaborative law. Now, do you think that that's a trend that will continue even after that? Or do you think that people are, are just doing that more because, you know, that's their only option? I think that we can see both. Um, I think that there's something to be said for being in the same room and everyone really focusing on something. But I think that there are a lot of benefits to being able to do it virtually and being flexible. It certainly does allow everyone to speed up the process, especially where you know somebody 
typically travels a lot. When we were doing things in person, it was much harder to schedule. And now we can get things done from anywhere and people are much more open to that idea. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really great takeaway is that uh, because this has forced that openness on all levels, whether it's communicating with your kids' classrooms or doctor's appointments or anything, then it becomes a natural extension to this versus kind of, oh, well, you're not, you know, taking this seriously or um, that's not how I want to deal with it. It, it. I think it's kind of forcing people to embrace it, which is, you know, that's probably a good thing. I agree. And I also think we're going to see that in our court systems. Before, we really had very limited uh, technology in our courtrooms in terms of doing things virtually. And this has really forced the courts to jump into the technology wave and have virtual hearings. And I think that those things are likely going to stick around. Yeah, I agree. So let's let's jump into some of the meat of what you're seeing here. So there there are several implications of this crisis for divorcing clients, and you know the biggest topic of concern, you know, generally speaking, always is money, uh, but specifically, <laughs> uh, always a big issue with uh, people going through or thinking about divorce. Um, and so, what you know, what have you been seeing uh, in that area? Financially, the three big issues I'm seeing in light of coronavirus are one, alimony concerns, two, child support concerns, and three, issues regarding valuations of property. Okay, and can can you discuss these issues in two different contexts? So going through the process of divorce versus if you're already divorced, because obviously, you know, there are big implications depending on which category you fall in. Yes. If you're contemplating divorce right now during the pandemic, I would urge you to consider timing. With courts closed, you may want to hit the pause button on steering towards litigation and instead look for alternate paths of resolution and use this time to plan and gather information. Uh, Another issue related to timing is the economy. With the economy in flux, it may be difficult to get your arms around what's going on in your lives in terms of the assets and income. If you get any valuations or appraisals, they may need to be redone in light of the economic downturn. Also, people's incomes are likely going to be changing a lot, unfortunately. You may be able to maximize the financial resources by thinking outside the box and negotiating with your spouse or you may want to end up waiting to proceed until the economy rebounds. Now is really a good time to think about your future plans. Strategize with your lawyer and do your homework. So gather the information and do the work needed to get your divorce underway. Related to timing, you also want to make sure that you're talking to your lawyer about your goals and priorities. With, for example, the real estate marking changing, You may have previously wanted to keep your house, but now perhaps it's better for you to sell it or vice versa. I also want to mention that if you don't want to wait to get divorced, just because the courts are closed, there are a lot of ways to get the process started outside of the court system, such as negotiation, mediation, collaborative law, and arbitration. So those are other really good things to consider. Now, if you've already 
made the decision that you are separating and divorcing and you're in the process, some things to consider are if you've had valuations done of businesses or real property, and I know and understand that a lot of people have spent a lot of money getting those done, you need to understand that those valuations may no longer be good. With the economic downturn, they may need to be redone. And I understand a lot of money was spent on those, but I'm already seeing that with the court closures and cases being in trials being postponed, a lot of appraisals and valuations are likely going to need to be redone. Interesting. Yeah. And I think, I think you, you mentioned, you know, you might want to wait until the market rebounds. And I think it's, it's hard, right? Because how do you know when it's going to happen? And some industries are affected way more than other industries. You know, for example, obviously a big one is tourism and restaurants. Um, and so, you know, it kind of comes down to what that person's uh, intensity is about um, you know, separating. So I think that's definitely forces a really hard conversation. You know, how badly do you want to get out of the marriage? And I think some people, um, like in general, since the economy has been good for such a long time, I think it's been more encouraging for people to get out because it's kind of like, okay, well, properties and values and, uh, incomes and, um, 401k accounts and all those things have been rising makes it a little bit easier, I think, for people um, to do it versus when, to your point, there's all this uncertainty, valuations are significantly lower. Um, you know, is it going to financially be significant to wait or, you know, could, could it be even more damaging to wait? So that's certainly a, uh, a hard question to kind of balance, um, right now. Um, what about for people that are already paying? Because that's a big deal as well, right? So they negotiated something maybe even last year or two years ago, they agreed to it. And maybe now that person um, that's paying the alimony doesn't uh, have that lucrative job anymore. Can you, can you speak a little bit to the implications you're seeing on that side? Yes, I'm definitely seeing Corona impact those already divorced who pay or receive alimony or child support. Many people are suffering a loss or reduction in income that impacts their ability to pay alimony or child support and their need for alimony and child support. So depending on the jurisdiction where you live, but generally speaking, child support is modifiable based on a material change of circumstances. And sometimes alimony may be too, but there are nuances to it. For example, some places you can only modify it retroactive or back to the date that you file a request for modification in court. So if that's your circumstance that you need a modification of alimony or child support, you really do need to consult with a family law attorney sooner than later to find out what steps you need to take to protect yourself. And could you just give some examples of, you know, how to navigate this right now, whether it's that you're contemplating or if you're already paying? Yes. So if someone is receiving child support or alimony uh, and they have a decrease in income as a result of the pandemic, um, or and they are going to need more support or vice versa, someone is 
paying and they suffer a reduction or loss of income and they need a reduction, it's a really good time to try to gather as much information as you can about what the circumstances are on both sides. So if you're the person who suffers a reduction or the other party. And so what I mean by that is, was there a layoff? Is there, was the person furloughed? Are the payments ending or are they just being deferred? Is there a severance package? So the more information you have, the more likely you are to be able to make an informed choice and decision about possible resolution. Got it. Yeah, I know. If, I know with all these situations, it's very uh, information uh, based on the facts of, of a particular circumstance of a couple. Um, so certainly then it becomes um, everybody's who's involved job to kind of try to make something work. And, uh, you know, the income and the furlough thing is very interesting. Um, you know, one thing I kind of thought about is, well, how would a court or how would a mediator look at a situation where maybe someone was consistently making, let's just say $150,000 the past 10 years, but now they're being asked to, um, take a salary reduction. So now they're at 90,000 or maybe they got let go altogether and can't find a new one. And you know, what, how, how do you mediate something like that? So I think again, it's about sharing information. A lot of people are distrustful of their ex or soon to be ex spouse, but this is a circumstance where a lot of times more information will help both parties feel confident and trustworthy enough to enter into an agreement and come to a resolution. So I always suggest trying to share information and gather information when you're discussing something as important as needing to modify a support obligation that's already in place. So Erin, I know when we talked about this uh, before getting ready for this podcast, the second thing that you had mentioned was a big issue right now in particular is relating to custody. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. I'm seeing a lot of custody related issues and I've kind of lumped them into three categories. So first is homeschooling. A lot of uh, children are doing this remote learning and especially with younger children, it really requires a lot of parental involvement. So parents are needing to work together and especially where there's a divorce situation or a separation situation, the parent that has more flexibility is oftentimes taking on that role and responsibility of involving themselves in the child's homeschooling. It causes a lot of stress on that parent and takes a, a tremendous amount of time. Um, but oftentimes the other parent who is working wants to be involved. They don't want to give up that time or be seen as a lesser involved parent or spend less time with the children. And so that's creating a conflict. A second issue I'm seeing related to custody are for those on the front lines dealing with coronavirus, such as our healthcare workers. There was a big article that everyone I've talked to has read in Florida where um, an ER doctor is divorced and there's a child involved. And her ex-husband took her to court to modify custody 
to take away her custodial responsibilities in light of her constant exposure to the coronavirus. Um, there are a lot of really you know, good arguments and important arguments that can be made on both sides that um, people are feeling right now. And the third custody issue that I'm seeing is related to social distancing. So with social distancing, I'm seeing a lot of different values. So what I mean by that is one thing I'm seeing a lot is a lack of sharing of information related to social distancing. So with exes, as no surprise, there's oftentimes a bit of distrust. Um, and there's oftentimes one parent that's not being forthcoming with information. So information about what's happening social distancing wise in their home. And people have really different comfort levels about what is appropriate and comfortable for them in terms of social distancing. And a lot of couples who are divorced live with others, a new spouse or new partner, and maybe that person even has their children going back and forth between their home and another parent. And this can create a lot of concern when people are not on the same page about social distancing and shared children. Um, and so when they're not willing to discuss it, I'm seeing a lot of tension there. Um, a second issue I'm seeing um, related to sharing a child is where parents just simply, not just that they're not sharing information, but they're sharing information and are clearly not on the same page about social distancing. So one parent is social distancing and the other parent is not. And I'm seeing parents feeling like they have to choose between exchanging their children so they can see them and not seeing their children so they or maybe those they live with are not at risk for being exposed to coronavirus. Um, I'm seeing this particularly where there's one parent who is really isolating because they have a health issue or someone else in that household does. So that kind of uh, begs, the, begs the question, would you rather you know, not know that your ex-partner is um, <laughs> is properly social distancing, um, or would you rather you know that they're not? And uh, you know, either way is kind of a, a, a tough situation, but it's it's certainly an interesting thing to think about because nobody this was never an issue before, so it's not even something you could have preemptively talked about. I mean, people spend a lot of time talking about, okay, well, um, you know, if you get remarried, then you don't get alimony or, you know, there, or like, you know, they kind of will discuss how introduction to another significant other, they talk about things like that, but, um, but like certainly not, you know, what to do in a, a pandemic. Right. And I see even, I think harder is sort of a third custody social distancing issue I'm seeing, which is when one parent is not on the same page about social distancing with sort of older children, teenagers, and I'm seeing teenagers calling the shots. Um, so when a teenager is saying, I want to social distance with my, you know, or I, I want to, I don't want to social distance. I want to see my friends. So they're choosing to go and stay at the parent's house who is letting them do that. But I'm also seeing the reverse where a child sees a parent not social distancing and the child saying, listen, I feel like I don't want to expose 
the other parent. So I'm not going to see you if you're not going to abide by social distancing. That's very interesting. You could certainly see, you know, both sides, either a teenager saying, oh, this isn't going to affect me. And, you know, why do I have to be so worried about it? And I'd rather hang out with my friends. I've got nothing better to do. Um, but then it's nice to hear on the, on the reverse side of that, some are saying the opposite, which is, you know, I want to make sure that I'm safe and I don't make you mom or dad sick. Um, so very, very interesting. Have you received any guidance from the courts on their expectations related to custody and Corona? Yeah. So courts have said that they are expecting parents to follow their agreements and court orders related to custody, or at least those um, in Maryland and DC have been giving that guidance. In like one of these three situations you described, one of the parents says, you know, I'm really uncomfortable. I have a health issue and I know that you're not following proper social distancing protocol. I know you're letting, you know, the kids um, socialize, et cetera. I mean, what can they do then? Because if they, are, if they have this court agreement and the courts are expecting them to follow it, is there anything that they can do? So every situation is different and courts are still open to hear emergencies. So, you know, the first question is, will what's happening constitute an emergency? But if you want to try to avoid going to court, and I always think that if you can avoid it, that's best because then you're controlling your own fate. I always suggest try to open communication with the other parent to talk about what exactly is happening and see if it can be resolved. Sometimes that happens through the parents talking directly to each other. Sometimes it involves the lawyer. Um, I'm a big proponent of parents using a parenting coach to help them talk about it and try to find common ground. there, all of the parenting coaches I know are doing their um, sessions via Zoom, so it's very accessible. Another place where I'm finding common ground is to say, can we just agree to follow the CDC guidelines regarding social distancing? Yeah, I mean, I think those are all good approaches. And, and you know, again, because it's, I'm just assuming here it's not necessarily easy to qualify for an emergency court, uh, you know, exception, or um, it, it hopefully encourages the two parties to come to an agreement on their own, kind of like what you were talking about in the beginning of the conversation as it relates to just having a more collaborative divorce approach in general. So I think, you know, again, that's probably a good thing Um, if they can resolve it through some of those other methods. Um, How do you think this affects the divorce process going forward? Well, I think how it affects divorce lawyers and the divorce process is a little different. So in terms of a divorce lawyer, it's definitely uh, given me pause to consider when I'm drafting a divorce agreement uh, to consider a pandemic situation. So at times, we will agree that we're going to have a payment of alimony that's non-modifiable, except in the case of a catastrophe. And I think that this, like the idea of a pandemic would expand what we would normally 
perhaps define as a catastrophe and really specifically put in, you know, if this happens, that would be an exception. Um, another way in which I think it affects divorce agreements is regarding custody. I see so many custody agreements where people say that uh, the pickup and drop off time is from when school ends to when school begins. And I think that's really risky in light of the fact that schools are closed. I think we need to be a lot more specific. Um, related to divorce process in the immediate future, I think we're going to see a lot of alimony, child support, and possibly custody modifications. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to see a lot of delays. Courts are really backed up. And I think that they are going to need to deal with all of the time-sensitive issues first when they reopen. Um, but I do think that we're going to continue to see a lot of these online and virtual platforms going forward, e-notarizations, um, and these virtual court hearings and filings, um, even when the pandemic is over. Our courts are issuing new orders and guidance weekly. So it's something I'm following closely, but I think that these changes are ones that are likely to remain in effect. And it really actually helps, I think in many ways, make us more efficient. Yeah, right. So kind of the good, I, you know, it, it seems like there certainly have been a lot of good things that have come from this um, in terms of the context of our conversation um, and some things that uh, we need to give some more thought to and some things that we can be more, um, you know, mindful of going forward. And I think you raise a great point about the courts. Um, I mean, this is going to take a long time to get all sorted out from the courts, even if they're being more efficient with virtual, using vir virtual meetings and technology and stuff. I, I, I can't even fathom what the backlog is going to be. Um, so, you know, that's something to contemplate as well in terms of if, when you want to actually see this happen and be done with it. Um, so in conclusion, coronavirus will certainly change things in many different areas of our life. And I'm sure that we can all agree that uh, issues exposed through this crisis will certainly shape how we think, discuss, and design divorce agreements going forward. So thank you very much, Erin, for your thoughts on this important and timely topic. And uh, hopefully uh, life as we know it will return to a little bit more normal in the near future. Thank you so much for having me. Hightower Bethesda is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. 
Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Hightower Bethesda and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of Hightower Bethesda and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.